Bucks Nation, the podcast representing the best fans in college football. Now, here's Tyler and Jerry. What's going on? Welcome into the first episode of Buffs Nation in 2019. I'm Tyler Walgie. He is Jared All to my right. Jared, how are you? Doing wonderful. I don't want to get too technical on it. It's not actually the first one of 2019, <laughs> just the first one of the season. Uh-huh. Not getting technical. Not getting technical. <laughs> yeah, we did have an off-season one. I guess we wrapped last year up too, but uh, first preseason one. Looking forward to the 2019 year. Man, I can't wait for this. We got CSU coming up in a few weeks. Looking at that schedule, you start putting together the wins. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I'm excited, man. You're officially getting too far ahead of yourself. <laughs> I know. Did you see the article I posted on Facebook today? The review from the Pal- or, uh, San Jose outlet? Yeah, I actually News. love that type of stuff. That just fires me up. It gets me so excited. About knowing, knowing what we know, being insiders, getting to watch these guys every day. There's a lot that they aren't seeing on the national level. Yeah, there's a lot they're not seeing. But, I mean, look, this is how it is with every school. I mean, I'm sure Arizona State has a lot that they're positive about, and I couldn't be more down on the Sun Devils this year. I'm sure you know there's a lot of teams that work like that, but I do think that the Buffs are one of those schools that's going to end up proving a lot of people wrong based on the new coaching staff, what they're going to bring in. And that's where I want to start today. Through the first couple practices this season, through what we've seen so far, is there anything that CU's actually done to make you feel different about this team? Because let's face it, every time you get a new coach in, it's a new season, there's so much excitement surrounding every single program every single year. I know in Boulder, we get excited, super excited every year. But is there anything they've actually done to kind of make you think, hey, things could be different this year. I think it's less about what they've done and what more about what you're hearing. It doesn't matter who you're talking to, players, coaches, beat writers. Everybody has the same sentiment about Mel Tucker. He's tough and he is focused. Everything Mel Tucker does seems to have a purpose. It feels to me like a guy that's been waiting his entire career for this moment. He knows exactly the type of coach he wants to be and the type of team he wants to have. And I think you're seeing that come through with the way he approaches practicing, uh, approaches scrimmages, things like that. I think you're seeing minor differences in the approach right now. What can we take from that, though? Because I want to do a good job on this show of separating cliche from real information. And let's face it. On, on different outlets, I don't care whether it's Denver Post or CUBuffs.com, you're going to get coach speak. You're asking the coach questions. And so, yes, he's a new coach, so you're going to hear he's tough. He gets a, you can hear that every, right? Everyone's good in the job interview. What can we actually take from these things, though, and apply to Mel Tucker and apply to CU? I mean, what has real substance? I think when you look back at the, the last three or four years with the Buffs, one of the biggest things that I think bothered me and a lot of people is their inability to finish, to come up clutch in big moments. And call it cliche all you want, being you know a quote-unquote fourth quarter team, but that does start with your spring workouts. It starts with your summer workouts and putting in the extra conditioning, something that they actually stretched out for several extra weeks in the spring to add additional conditioning in because they felt like that was such an important factor. So I think laying the groundwork for the, the the fundamentals and the, you know, a starting point there. Okay, I think that that it's a couple things there. First of all, one thing that I believe we can take from all this, kind of hype, what you're hearing from the media, is that Mel Tucker's bringing the toughness, right? That's a very different thing that we're used to seeing in in the Pac-12, is being a tough team, being mentally strong, and I believe that's mainly why we're seeing so much conditioning. Yes, of course you want a well-conditioned team, but it's also about being mentally tough. I mean, some of the 
the, the, the toughest teams in the nation go through those that conditioning just because right now that's the only way that you can mentally toughen up. You can't hit each other, really. You can't. It's funny. You, you learn a lot about your team the first game of the season because it's the first really physical game that, that you have. So I think that Mel Tucker, what he brings to CU is physicality. And yes, he's you know detail-oriented, all the other stuff you say with a head coach, but the one main separating factor I think there is is that toughness, that CU's going to win the offensive line, the defensive line, bring that physicality. And I actually think that that's a change the Pac-12 needs and that they've needed for a long time. That's exactly what the Pac-12 needs. It's going to be good for Boulder, good for CU, but I believe that if CU has success and if CU starts to knock on the door, compete for the South the next couple years, potentially, hopefully, compete for the conference within those years or looking forward, that other people around the Pac-12 are going to see what we're doing in Boulder. Football is a copycat league, and if Mel Tucker comes in, brings that SEC mentality, CU toughens up, runs the football, and brings that, again physicality, kind of uh, 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 physically uh, oriented offense, defense, so on and so forth, that may change things in the Pac-12. So I'm excited to see what CU does this year, and I'm excited to see how this actually does play itself out. I mean, do they come out against CSU and look the same, essentially? Spread things out? You know, I I believe that after the first week, we're not saying, boy, you know, we thought it was going to be physical, but it's really more the same. I really believe you're going to see that physicality play out. I think it will be a very stark difference from what you saw over the last couple years with Mike McIntyre as the head coach. I think it will be very clear and obvious. By the time we say hit halftime in that first game, you are going to notice what Mel Tucker has brought to this and and what what they've changed as far as their approach, not only with the X's and O's, but philosophically speaking, I think you're going to see a different approach for this offense. Well, and that's the thing. I think that's the given. The question is, how much of a difference is there within the X's and O's? I mean, how much of a different team is this? Right? You can have a different mentality. You can say, we're going to toughen up, yet bring the same sort of scheme into the certain year. Or you can say, we're going to toughen up and change the scheme to, to, to fit that and to mold that. So we will see quickly. We haven't been you know exposed to that much in the preseason, in the offseason, I should say. Leading up in these first couple practices, again, you can't tell that much. We're going to learn a lot about CSU. I know it's too early, but we route the Rams this year, don't we? Oh, absolutely. They have to. It's It's the only gimme game on their schedule this year, if you ask me. For the fans listening right now, do you know what color the CU fans are supposed to wear this year? Has that been announced yet? Uh, I don't know that it has been. I I believe it is a home game for the Buffs. Yeah, CSU is the home team. Well, check uh, our Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. Give us a like there. Uh, Buffs Nation on Facebook, and we'll post it on there once it is made public. So, uh, anything else for what Mel Tucker brings? What to kind of make of what we've heard so far? No, I think you pretty well covered it there. And, and like you said, the, the time will tell because I, I think you and I both believe we're going to see a very different team come out here in, in a couple weeks against CSU. Time's going to tell how much he's able to stick to what he wants to do and how much he may be forced to kind of deal with what he has in place here with the Buffs this first year. All right, let's make some picks. Uh, the North, South, and then we'll pick uh, each Power 5 conference. We're going to make this a fairly quick podcast again. Uh, coming out every Tuesday, Buffs Nation. Starting this year, you can find it on every major podcast player. I know in the past it was only on buffsnation.com, so you can get it on the website again this year, but you can also get it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, TuneIn Radio, and uh, any other podcast player. So look for us this season, Buffs Nation, coming to you every Tuesday. But today, like I said, we'll get our picks in there, a little talk about the CU, and uh, we'll come back next week with our 
uh, CSU pregame. So, uh, Jared, who do you have winning the North in 2019? I got to give the nod to Washington. Uh, when I look at the North, on paper, I think Oregon, in my mind, is clearly the best team on paper. Uh, it's an offense that's returning all five offensive linemen, a star quarterback in Justin Herbert that a lot of people thought could have been a top 10 pick had he decided to go in the NFL draft. This is a team, if you remember back to last year, I was really high on him. This was kind of like my sleeper team. And now everyone's coming around on him. And I'm moving the other way thinking, I think that Oregon proved last year just what they don't have. They don't have the toughness, the ability to close games in crunch time. That's something that Washington does have. And I know a lot of people think Washington lost their, their star quarterback, lots of key players off that team. Chris Peterson has that thing, a well-oiled machine now. They're bringing in players to replace. I actually think they're going to upgrade an X factor for them for Washington at quarterback, Jacob Eason. He transferred from Georgia a couple years ago, was the number one ranked quarterback coming out of high school. Transfers, sat out a year. I think they actually upgrade with him over Browning. I think this team takes a step forward. I got Washington winning Pac-12 North. Yeah, I like Eason as well. He's backed up uh, Jake Fromm, and Jake Fromm is a, you know, he's a very good talent, generational, potentially talented quarterback. I know right now he's the number two or number three quarterback on a lot of big boards early on for this year, so it's not like he was, you know, he transferred because he was behind some scrub and needed to play. He wasn't going to see the field because, well, Jake Fromm is a very good quarterback. So I see big things at Washington uh, for Eason. And also, if you look at Oregon's schedule, even though it's a non-conference, they do open up with that game against the Auburn on the road. A tough one. Yeah, and if you start off with a loss, it's very tough to gain momentum. They play USC on the road, uh, and they've got uh, Washington on the road as well. So tough schedule that doesn't line up exactly for Oregon. I've got, I agree with you. I've got Washington winning the North, Oregon second, and I've got Washington State right there third. I think Mike Leach, you you're know, hanging on to them, huh? I, 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 I would put Stanford in over them. I actually think Washington State kind of gets back to their norm, which their norm is more of an eight-win team. They've they've gone uh, above the above the average the last couple years, but I don't think they start fall talking back. about them like that. Mike Leach will lock you in. A I hot know he he might find closet. me on social media, huh? <laughs> All right, South. Who do you have winning? the South. <sighs> the first, 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 first. Before you give me your pick, what does CU have to do to win the South? I mean, because let's face it, if we could both pick with our hearts here, both of us would love the Buffs to win the South. What do they have to do to win the South in your mind? I think it's gonna. it would take, I think, a minimum of nine wins. If we're just talking straight numbers, it would take at least nine wins. I think that means you're going to have to run the table in your non-conference games. That's going to be tough. CU plays a Nebraska team that is going to be very strong this year, an Air Force team that's tough to go against. I think you also okay, are going to have hold to... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. An Air Force team that will be tough to go against. That triple C- option, man. That C- triple option gets wins you that game time. by 21 points. I hope that you're right, but it's going to be one that they're going to have to go if out. If anything, and get. the Nebraska game is one that's going to be the, the I, tough game. I, out I of guess the first where three. I'm going is you don't have a North Texas on the schedule this year. You have to go win CSU. Those three. Well, yeah, I guess you probably right that. <laughs> so in um, Air Force, I don't love the respect that you're giving this right now. I'm, I'm chalking those both up for wins. Oh, I'm not saying that I'm not, but I'm just saying that's what it's going to take. You have to go win those games, and you basically have to run the table in the South, because looking at their matchups against the North, you got Washington, you got Stanford, Oregon. you got Oregon. You play all the toughest well, teams in the North this year. I do want to reiterate, Oregon on the road, Washington State on the road, and they do have uh, Stanford. Alright, so CU, their schedule is a little bit tougher this year. I understand that, but they have a really good chance. Look, the South is not going to be as good as a lot of people think. I mean, well, I don't know how good a lot of people think it's going to be, but Arizona is not going to improve. I think they're going to have another lackluster year. Arizona State does take a step back. 
Uh, I think they hit the season under right there. What, seven and a half wins for Arizona State? I'm taking the under there all day. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. that one's a, a lock if, right there. If anything, and I'm down on USC. I mean, if anything, UCLA will be the up-and-coming team in the South. And they have a long way year. to go. Definitely. Um, so I, I agree with you, though. It, it does come down to those games against the South, primarily USC and UCLA. I, but, uh, I, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I think ultimately it comes down to that game at the very end of the year against Utah. I think the Buffs, that if everything can go right for the Buffs throughout this year, you can be be lining up in that game, maybe a 9-2, and two, something like that. And I think it's going to take winning that game for the Buffs to do it because in my mind, it pains me to say this, but I think Utah right now is in a class above everyone else in the South. I think right now, yeah. they're, it's, it's, it's Utah, and then I, like you said, everybody else is kind of in that mix. They're either they're up and coming or taking a step back, but everyone's in that five, six, maybe seven wins type kind of range. And I think Utah is a team that not only, Tyler, do I like them in the South, I actually like them to win the Pac-12 this year. I think they're really moving in a direction that is going to be tough to challenge in the Pac-12 this year. Yeah, I also have Utah winning the South right ahead of uh, USC, actually. So look, I think that again, CU has a chance to be competitive in the South. I think that CU actually will finish either third or fourth. I mean, right now, if I had to, to guess, I'd have them right around there. But Utah, like you said, Jared, they're they're just too good. They're bringing back a lot of talent. You have to respect Whittingham, that coaching staff, again, so on and so forth. They're a very good team, and they have to be a clear favor right now in the South. If you don't give Utah the nod, at least some respect here, you're not paying attention. They are very good, and I think that you're right there. They're kind of... At least one level ahead of everyone else in the South. Um, let's get some quick picks for every Power 5 conference. I'll make this easy, actually. Do you have uh, Alabama in the SEC? I do, okay. but closer this year than most. Watch out for Florida as a sleeper. In oh, one. Florida is yeah. a sleeper there. Okay. Well, obviously, we all know Georgia's going to be good, too. Yeah, but watch yeah, out yeah. for Florida creeping up on that. Uh, you have Clemson winning the ACC? That one's obvious, yeah. Okay. Oklahoma winning the Big 12? I do, yes. Okay. I have Michigan winning the Big Ten. Oh, you're you're just getting crazy. <laughs> what? I mean, Michigan lost something like seven of their starters on oh, defense. They're uh, they just the, who do they have? Shea Patterson at quarterback. He's going to hold who, them back. You know who they year. have? The, the only answer to who they have is that's like it's like warmed up oatmeal when it's rehashed or warmed back up. It just it's not good anymore. Uh, oatmeal is the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> That's exactly how I would describe this Michigan team this year. They're going to be warm here, oatmeal man. right in the middle of the pack. Th this conference... Uh, middle Ten, of the pack? Yes. Wow, they're that's a lack of respect for Michigan. No, they're going to take a major step back this year. Watch out for Ohio State. I think there's a chance they go undefeated this no. season. Yes! It's the one... Look, it's the one seed. This is like... Michigan's no, this here. is everybody continuing to buy in the hype that is Jim oh Harbaugh. God. Oh, he gets recruits in. He gets recruits in. You know, there's been a lot of coaches that have gotten a lot of recruits in over the years that didn't pan out to win. Who do you Show have winning me the, the Ohio, Ohio State? Right. No doubt. <laughs> this is going to be a prime example. This is going to be very similar to what you saw with Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley taking over. I think this team actually takes a step forward with Ryan Day as the head coach. I think That's his offensive insane. philosophies, not to mention bringing in Justin Fields, who everybody so quickly You've forgot. Lost your mind. Justin Fields was the number one ranked player ahead of Trevor Lawrence on most recruiting boards coming out of high school. This kid's going to be a stud, and he's going to take them to the Big uh, Big Ten Championship. You didn't mention Ryan Day. The main reason Ohio State's going to struggle is because they have a coach that is 
over his head. How did that work for Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley? Okay, how has that worked every other time it's been tried in the sport? It is not successful for a coach to What leave about Chris Peterson when he have, took over at their, Boise State? Their heir apparent? No, that was not the he, heir apparent. What would have happened if that were the same is Dan Hawkins leaves and said, I have my replacement. I've not had my hand on the They hired him from within. No, that's so different, Jared. What happened here is when they, when, when they left, when... Um, uh, uh, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer left. He said, no, no, no. I've been grooming this kid. I've had him under my wing. We've kept him here for this very reason. What what Urban Meyer wants is his name attached to Ryan Day. So if and when Ryan Day had success, people go, well, he was Urban Meyer's guy. Why not? Urban Meyer had so much to do with that decision. Dan Hawkins didn't have one thing to do with Chris Peterson staying at Boise State. That was a Boise State administrative decision to keep the better coach there, frankly, and who was pulling the strings from the inside. That had nothing to do with Dan Hawkins saying, this is my guy. I'm going to keep him on the inside. No, that was a good administration and a good athletic director making the right move. But it's not like so much is going to change for Ryan Day. He, he was the interim coach at the beginning it's of last so year. Different. He's been one of their Running main recruiters the over the last working few for years. The company is very it's all different. the same place, pieces in place. Right, you know what? Let, let, let's, just, let's just make this a thing right here. So we both disagree. Let's just go to season win total right now. I think their season win total is 11 wins. And we'll have to look this up and verify if it's not. But if the 11 wins, you're obviously taking the over, right? No, I'm not taking the but over. But if that's on that. what Vegas and the market says, but, their but here's win the total thing. Should here's be. why Ohio State is going to win that conference. It's not because they're going to be an undefeated team. It's because nobody else in that conference is coming out with less than two or three losses. They are going to win that conference by default, maybe as a, a 10, 11 win oh, team. But crazy. I would not right. take over 11 wins. So no way. let's not do the season win total. Let's just say who finishes ahead in the standings, Michigan or Ohio State. What are we doing? Lunch on this? All right, lunch it is. All right, it's a bet. And when when we talk lunch, none of this, uh, you know, fast food lunch <laughs> that you like to do. I see, if I'm buying, I, I see what McDonald's. you got out on the if table you're out there. We're yeah. going to uh, going to Chris Rude Steakhouse. Ooh, yeah. Get myself a filet mignon. Uh, playoffs. Who do you have in the playoffs? Obviously, a couple of those teams we just mentioned. Let me give you my first four. Tell me where you disagree. I've got Alabama one. Excuse me. I've got Clemson one, Bama two, Washington three, Michigan four. Interesting. Um, I got the same first two for you, Clemson and Alabama. Uh, I got Georgia as my number three team. I do think that they're a very strong team behind Jake Fromm as a third year as a starter quarterback there. And then I'm going to give the, the nod to Oklahoma actually over Ohio State getting into the playoff. I really think that the addition of Jalen Hurts is going to mitigate anything they lost with Kyler Murray. And on top of that, Oklahoma bringing in a new de- defensive coordinator I think is going to really turn that team around. So I got Oklahoma in and not to uh, you know take away uh, uh, from my picks here, but I gotta say, for once, you and I dog very commonly the uh, the coaches poll. They love to release that coaches poll. Yeah, a bunch um, of idiots. Those coaches. So I are. put these notes together, uh, Tyler, last night, and I'm looking through them, and I have not only one through four exactly how the coaches poll has it in, <laughs> oh, but my God. fifth out is Ohio State, and that's number five <laughs> in the rankings. So I think they nailed it for once. Why we always say that is if you look at how good these teams are, and what I often do is look in the eyes of Vegas and see the truth serum of the sports. The coach's poll is so off. There's they don't do their homework. I mean, there, there there's uh, you know games being played. They vote for certain teams. It's going to help their team within the. It's the coach's poll is the most ridiculous idea. Let's just have parents start voting on in school who gets to be the. Uh, you know, the starting player for the team. I think right? they do that anyways, actually, yeah, in high school see. these days. I but I, I got to say, though, my, what I take from that, though, is I actually think this is the direction that college football has gone. When you look at it, there really are, year after year, since the college football playoff has been around, 
only a handful of teams truly competing for it. It's these four or five teams, well, look, plus you get a, maybe a Washington or a Notre Dame here and there, but you have the same handful of teams every year. So I think it's pretty obvious who you put as your top four or five teams at the beginning of the year. And, and pretty obvious when you look at these conferences, especially how they break down, I mean, you can pretty much put Clemson, Alabama as a lock into that playoff year after year after year, as long as those coaches are there. So now you got everybody in the country, 130 teams, competing for two spots. And I think clearly in my mind, there are three or four teams in the country right now that are head and shoulders above everyone else trying to reach them. that. That's if there's a problem with college football. That's the problem, is that there's a lack of parity at the top. We know who those teams are going to be, it seems, every year. All right, Jerry, that does it for today's show. One more week until we get to talk about CUCSU. You excited? You're holding me back here, but yeah, yeah. I'm getting really excited for this thing. I think the Buffs are going to come out strong, and they're going to press not only us locally, but get these national riders off our back. Show them what the Buffs are made of. This has been the Buffs Nation podcast. We'll talk to you next week.